0: I speak to you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Mother to us all. Amen. I don't think that it's just a consequence of having turned 49 last week, of being squarely in middle age... I don't think it's a consequence of that, that I find the times we live in to be a bit disorienting. Now, every generation believes that things were easier or better or more coherent when they were young and that now life is out of balance, so I don't want to overstate the case. But it seems to me that we are now living in such a whirl of information with news flashing across our screens, being retweeted, our outrage stirred, political causes rising and then all disappearing just as quickly as the next outrage, the most recent political crisis or gaffe or cause flashes across our screens. And we leap to retweet, comment, like, dislike, share, even before we know what's true, what's fact, even before we know what we really even believe about this situation. We live in the perpetual new and the now, always reacting, rarely reflecting, encouraged by the glut of advertising and products to keep buying, keep shopping, because there's so many options and always something next. But decision fatigue is setting in for How do we choose when there's so many choices? And that impulse to the new thing permeates our work too as we live in a world disrupted by the new gleaming engine of our economy, tech and Silicon Valley, the engine that encourages disruption suggesting that the only constant in our lives is change and we should embrace it because in this new economy, this new world, we've got to focus solely on innovation. In the business world and now even in schools and churches, we're told we've got to adapt or die. I'm reading a book right now that told me that. We must change. We must do things differently. We must try something new. In our personal lives, we are encouraged by lifestyle gurus to try life hacks to improve productivity, increase our happiness, make more money. We're to find our purpose and write our own personal mission statements as we seek to become the best, the most successful that we can be. We now live in a world of infinite options, of non-stop communications. And while I hope never to be a curmudgeon, although I'm sounding like one now, who thinks everything new is bad and everything old is good, I find myself wondering in this, this disorienting time, what provides our mooring? How do we make any decisions at all? And based on what? What's at our core? What's our story? When I teach the classes Basic Bible and Basic Christianity, I spend a lot of time tracing the contours of our story, the one that we people of faith, we followers of Christ, live in. The brief outline looks like this. Each one of us lives within a larger story, the story of God. The story begins in love and creation, but it quickly turns to alienation as we humans pursue our own goals and desires. Each time we turn away, God woos us back And we return to God until again we decide to try our own way for a while. The cycle goes on and on with God offering us first covenants and then judges to help guide us. And then kings to create countries and laws. And then prophets to warn us when we went astray from God's ways. Until finally God decided to join us in the person of Jesus And in Jesus, we see what true love is, what true faithfulness is, and we're given a clear vision of God's dream for the world. In Jesus, death and sin were defeated, and now we live as Christ's body, trying to follow and teach, heal, and love like he did until he comes again. That's the short version of our story. That's the story of God and us. That's the story, the old, old story, that I think makes sense of our lives, even perhaps especially in this time of disorientation of the never-ending new. But do we trust, do we know that story deeply enough to allow it to shape us, to more us, To direct us. In both our Hebrew scripture and the gospel today, we hear about people dwelling deeply in scripture, deeply in their story. People who in the midst of chaos are returned to themselves by remembering their story. In Nehemiah, an entire people have returned to Jerusalem after living in exile in Babylon for three generations. Now they've returned home and they find ruin, no temple, a culture diminished. So they set about rebuilding the temple and restoring the city walls, but it's not enough. How are they to live together? How are they to be a community again now that they've returned There's so much to do and there's so many choices. Their heads and their lives are swirling. It's all quite disorienting. In the midst of that, they ask for the word of God. They ask Ezra, priest and scribe, to bring the book of Moses, the Torah, and then they all gather around to hear it. In a culture where most people can't read, they want to hear their story. So Ezra reads it aloud for hours that day, for six or seven hours, and the people brought back into the story are moved. They answer, Amen, Amen, and they raise their hands in praise, and they bow their heads in worship. They dwell deeply in the story, God's story, their story. And they're so moved, they weep. After hearing the whole story, Ezra and Nehemiah direct the people to rejoice and to celebrate for a people lost has been found in the joy of belonging to the story of God. And this old, old story doesn't end there, for when Jesus comes into the synagogue to deliver what amounts to his inaugural address in the Gospel of Luke, when he comes to announce who he is, his identity, his purpose, he doesn't craft a new mission statement. He doesn't come up with a fancy new vision or a strategic plan. No, what Jesus does is reach way, way back, Way back deep into the prophet Isaiah, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Those are well-known words, they're beloved words, they're woven into the hearts and the minds of all the people there who knew Isaiah's description of what the Messiah would be like when he arrived. They had longed for this for generations as they had known poverty and illness and as they had been oppressed by so many different foreign leaders and now by Rome. Jesus reminds them that they are part of an old, old story. He reminds them of who their God is, the promises God has made, the promises God keeps. He grounds them in the story by which they make sense of their lives. And then he provides an update. For as Jesus sits down to teach, he doesn't preach, but he announces, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. The story they've lived by is now speaking right into their lives. The words of the story have now been made flesh in the word. We live in a disorienting, disconcerting time events and news and technology move faster than we can keep up. We analog beings in this digital world. Maybe every generation feels this way as the world twirls faster and faster, throwing us off balance. But how do we ground ourselves? What directs us? guides us what molds our sense of self what helps orient us what shapes our purpose and our longings when we're feeling lost When we're at loose ends, when our news feeds are filled with the latest outrage and our alerts are going off and our shopping carts are full and our self-esteem is plummeting because we haven't life-hacked enough, we don't need another new project. We don't need a new organizational system. We need a story. We need the story. We need the Word, the Word of God in Scripture, the Word of God in Jesus, who provides the story in which we fit, the one that still speaks to us today, the Word of Nehemiah. Do not be grieved, he says, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The Word of Isaiah speaking to us now in Jesus, promising us that this is what God desires, good news for the poor, release to captives, sight for the blind, Freedom for the oppressed. That is God's mission statement. That's Jesus' mission statement. That's our mission statement. The world may still feel chaotic. It might be hard to understand, but we have a story to ground us, a story to guide us, to show us the right way. The word is speaking to us. It is very near. It didn't just come long ago, but today. Today in our own exile. Today in our own confusion. Today in our own longing for a world that makes sense, for a world that is just and kind. We find our story in the story. The world is busy. It always is. The times are disorienting. They always are. Our choices are many. But what else is new? But our story, ancient and ever new. And by it, we can see the ways in which we are to go. We believe in one God, the Father.
1: In the diocesan cycle of prayer, we are asked to pray for Peace Church in Rockport, Miss Sandy Kincaid, Senior Warden. I ask your prayers for Bishop Mauricio Andrade and the people of our Companion Diocese of Brasilia and for the people in Diocese of Haiti and St. Andres School in Mithon. I ask your prayers for the repose of the souls of all persons named on our list. Who have lost their lives to gun violence I ask your prayers for all persons named on our prayer list and for those you bring on your hearts and minds today I ask your Thanksgiving for the lives of those parishioners celebrating their birthdays this week including Sean Obermeyer in peace we pray to you Lord God for all people in their daily life and work for For this community the nation and the world for for the just and proper use of your creation For all who are in danger, sorrow, or any kind of trouble. For the peace and unity of the Church of God. For Michael, our presiding bishop, for Jennifer, our bishop, and for all bishops and other ministers. For the special needs and concerns of this congregation. Hear us, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for all the blessings of this life. We will exalt you. O God, our King, we pray for all who have died, that they may have a place in your eternal kingdom. Lord, let your loving kindness be upon them. We pray to you also for the forgiveness of our sins.
0: May Almighty God have mercy on you, forgive you all your sins through our Lord Jesus Christ, strengthen you in all goodness, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, keep you in eternal life. The peace of the Lord be always with you. Good morning, good morning, and welcome to All Saints this morning. I'm Mother Suzanne. I'm the rector here, and you are very welcome in this place, and boy, do you get so many stars in your crown for coming out in this cold, cold morning. I bet you were thinking, boy, I I bet the HVAC's working perfectly this Sunday. Nope, we're still working on it, Um, just so you know. We have met with uh, our installers and we're trying to figure out how to make this work a little bit better in seriously cold temperatures. But if you wanna wear your coat or put on a hat, we will not judge you from the altar, I promise. So please feel free and please know that we're doing (laughs) as much as we can, as quickly as we can. Stay for coffee hour, I promise the coffee is hot. We fixed that furnace last week as well. It was also not working, so it's warm over there. So please um, come on over for coffee in the building next door. You can get there through this little red door or out and around. And if you're new, we have lots of folks who will help you get there. Um, Let's see, a couple things. I want you to check your announcements, and you can read all that's coming up, but I want to highlight we're doing Trans 101 on Tuesday from 630 to 8. Our own Lauren Easterling is going to do a workshop on issues affecting people who are trans and helping us use right language and be respectful and all those good things it's getting lots of attention out there in the world invite friends and family to come for that um what we know will be a great workshop because we've seen at least the rough draft of it before here there's lauren back there if you want to talk to her about it next week is our annual meeting now i realize some people avoid church on annual meeting sunday but you don't want to do that because our annual meeting is short It's actually pretty fun. And really, there's all good news this year. So come on, stay for annual meeting. We'll start as soon as we can after mass. We'll have BASBO pizza for lunch. Um, And you've got to elect your leadership. So please um, plan to stay for that. And finally, for the uh, oh, last call for checking the directories. We have rough, uh, rough drafts of directories in the back. Please check your information. If it's incorrect or you need to add something or update it, please write it in there. And we're going to get those updated this week. And if you're staying for the ministry heads meeting after mass, please go get a cup of coffee or something to drink and then come back to church. We'll be back here by 1140 so we can um, get our sandwiches and get meeting right away. Remember the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, how we said little children love one another.